Hello, welcome to uh, Dark Habits and a Mode of Our Podcast. Uh, Joel is not here right now, but I have two wonderful guests. One is uh, he has been on, I think, every single season so far. Uh, Marcus Penn has made his debut for uh, this season. So, uh, Marcus, thanks for Hello. coming on. Of course. Uh, you're talking about this. Uh, I, I, I don't claim ownership, but this is definitely, I feel like, between my film site, my outside film site writing, like for other pu- uh, publications, and just my Twitter presence. This is kind of one of those like top five, like, oh, this is the Marcus movie, uh, if, if, <laughs> if, if that makes any sense. I feel like I kind of have to. Well, I guess we'll get into why it's very specific to to my life. But yeah, I, I had to be on. So, of course, yeah. thanks for having me. You're welcome. And um, first, uh, f- first time guest, um, uh, Conrado from the uh, Carteri. I didn't. I had it in front of me. Let me get it right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah what, what's your podcast, Conrado? The Criterion Project. There you go. Very cool. Yeah. yeah so, uh, yeah. Th- thank you for contacting me. I believe you. Uh, yeah, you, you chose like four or five. So you're gonna be coming back in the future. Yeah, I'm excited. I was very excited to see that you will be doing Almodovar movies next and, you know, adjacent movies as well. So yeah. I'm a big fan. And uh, next season, spoiler alert, will be the last season because oh. after five, I don't, there's kind of no other topic left I want to <laughs> really dedicate two years to anymore. Fair you enough. Know, I'll, I'll say this. You say that, but stuff just kind of comes to you like. Yeah. For the last three years, you know, I've been doing Pillar Empire. We're now on year 14. And the last, at the top of January for the last few years, I'm like, I don't have anything left to write about. And then here we are three years later. It oh. just, it, 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 it happens. That's true. It's just like, as of now, there's no other single, well, th- there's one, but money kind of gets in the way of the, uh, check new mm. wave is what I want to do. Oh, but I see. Money kind of gets in the way of that. So like, that's probably never going to happen. Why would money, what do you mean? Uh, to buy the Blu-rays and just like actually find the Czech movies to begin with. I mean, there's hmm. a decent. I mean, that uh, uh, Criterion put out that that one Eclipse set. Um, yeah. I guess if you want to do a deep dive, I guess there are some like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think I've said it before. Alright, podcast. Altman is season five. Nice. Oh, oh that's a big. That's... Wow. That's yeah, exciting, but, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of why like, I want to end on a big one. So Altman is like a lot of shit to go through. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that that could be a two-year season. Honestly, you could do like a hot, like how they did with season five of Breaking Bad, how they kind of split uh, it up. Split it in two, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Robert Altman is like, what, six decades, seven decades? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that, that, that yeah. yeah, now it's looking too scary to do everything. <laughs> no, that, that's good. That means you can keep it going. And it's like, you know, you can... There's so many offshoots about Altman, but anyway, yeah. we're not here to yeah, talk about yeah. him. Yeah, so this is, uh, so this is part of like the season is talking about queer cinema, Spanish cinema, classic Hollywood, blah, blah. There's a, I have a whole, in the first episode, I go through the tenets of what uh, the Unbelievable Our season will be. Sure. Mm-hmm. And this count counts as queer cinema because the director of Uncle Boon Me, who can recall past memories, past lives, I say memories every time in my head. A piece of pong, the Rasa cut. Very ethical. Yeah. Right. 
<laughs> Everyone calls him Joe, but yeah, I think right. that's why. Yeah, apparently not anymore. There was a Twitter thing going on. Someone saying that he goes by Appy now, not by Joe anymore. I mean, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> it took me a while to catch on because I was. Um, I'm not gonna say I'm a day one fan, but from Tropical Maladay on, I, I was mm-hmm. hooked, and I was just like, I'll just learn the guy's name. It's not that difficult, but um. Then people started saying Joe this. I was like, what is this Joe thing? And I was like, oh, is that just like his nickname? Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, his first name's easy. I mean, a peach upon. Yeah. The last one, I, I was practicing before trying to get it, trying to get it right. Right. But, uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of his movies. I think I've seen three. There's a box set in Criterion, but I don't pay. For, and it, it might be on Criterion channel, but I slash I would rather pay for Ring of Honor Wrestling than Cartierian Channel. <laughs> nice, nice. I mean, I've been I've been Ring of Ring of Honor fan since like 2020, so it's kind. That, awesome. That, have you have you gone back and watched the old stuff? There's a lot of legendary stuff. The men's yes, the women's division, old division is not good. Sure, I mean it took just in general it took a while for female wrestling to really kind of you know, yeah. but. I think a lot of folks don't man from well, he was before he was Seth Rollins, Tyler Black, Samoa Joe, CM Punk, Dan- Daniel Bryan. There's so they much yeah, great basically stuff. Basically, like all the icons of modern pro wrestling came from Ring of Honor. Yeah, minus minus Roman Reigns. Uh, otherwise, yeah, though, yeah, much. yeah, yeah. The, and the yeah. Usos. I I I consider the Usos le- uh, modern legends at, at at this point. I'd put um yeah, the the Briscoes. They're local for me. Oh, that's right, Delaware. Oh, that's yes. right. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. They're from Delaware. I, yeah, yeah, I got yeah. to see Jay Briscoe in person once. Wow. And it was like, I'm in the presence of a movie star. The, he's he's it's Joe it's Jay Briscoe. Holy shit. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he didn't wrestle. He just showed up because he's a friend of the of the promoter. Oh, sure, sure. Cool. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So Joe's movies are on Criterion. And there's a big old box set of all of them. And uh, we're going to cover Cemetery of Splendor a little bit later. But uh, I want to uh, go through go to Uncle Boonmy first. Because that's, that's the first one I saw. It's the one that made me fall in love with Joe's films. Awesome. So, Conrado, um, uh, well, Marcus, I know part of your story. But, sure. Conrado, um, <laughs> what's your history with uh, Joe, Joe's films and or this movie? Yeah, so actually, so the first time I saw one of his movies was when I was in 2015, I was part of something that's called the Critics Academy for the New York Film Festival, which is like they get a bunch of young critics and they, you know, you get to watch the movies for free, go to press screenings and maybe you get to pitch some articles to like film comment, IndieWire, things like that. Um, So it was a great time. And that was my first ever pitch upon, which was Cemetery of Splendor. Um, which I don't know if it's the best movie to intro because it's probably his slowest and most dreamy. And it was very early in the morning for me, especially at that time, you know, it was like in my twenties, I used to wake up pretty late and then they had the screening of cemeteries at like eight or 9 AM. So I was kind of falling asleep. Um, but it was intriguing enough and it was, there was something to it that made me very curious about watching his other movies. And it was also uncle Boomy, which I watched probably not too long after um, that really made me fall in love with him and, and his work. Um, I Yeah, it, it really means a lot to me, this movie, and it really opened up 
what movies could be and could do um, at a kind of formative time. So yeah, I'm a big, big fan of him in general and of this movie in particular. Okay. Yeah, like I first heard Uncle Boon Me like before I knew like uh, 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 Ute Marcus and some other people who've been on a show a whole lot. I, I would see the thumbnail on Fandor all the time of hmm. the uh, the monkey ghost. And yeah, every that, time... That's, that's what grabs folks. A lot of people, friends of mine who aren't even uh, big into movies, like I'll post an image of it on Facebook or Twitter, they'll be like, what is that from? But anyway. Yeah. And every time I'd see it, I'd be like, will this be a day I finally watch it? But right, it wasn't right. until I heard you, uh, you and like... Uh, Kessler kind of casually mentioned how much you like it. Maybe like, okay, if they like it, there must be something there. Sure. And uh, I, I fucking love Uncle Boonry so much. It's just like I, I actually, I, I do know what what about it because every time I watch, it, I get something different, and it always makes always makes me cry. Like something about um, Joe's movies, just uh, when you get to the end. I just, I, I just can't help but cry every single time. Yeah. Mm. And Interesting. Like, yeah. And like driving, like today I was driving. Uh, I work at home health or home health, so I drive to people's homes. And on a drive between clients today, I was thinking about Uncle Boon me, and I was just in tears for most of the drive. Sure. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, uh, Marcus, what's your history with uh, with this movie and, and Joe? Well, I was going to say, it, it's fascinating to hear that you didn't even have a kidney transplant, and, and you feel that way. I had a kidney transplant, and so, th- so this movie, it hits me in the feels very yeah. much. But, you know, the funny thing is, in preparation for this podcast, I went back to, like, some of my first posts on Pitland Empire from back in the day, and Uncle Boon Me was, like, the third or fourth thing I ever wrote about, um... So there's that, but also, you know, I was a fan of his because when I first moved to New York City, the IFC Center had kind of just opened, and Tropical Maladay was one of the earlier movies that they'd played there. I saw it. I had no idea. I was trying to, what what was I do? Anyway, I was just I'll just watch this. Like there was, I I didn't know who he was, and I didn't know what Blissfully Yours was. Like my my starting point was Tropical Maladay. Saw it and I loved it. And then, you know, a couple years later, I saw Cemetery of Splendor, and I loved that even more. Um, And then a few months after Cemetery of Splendor, uh, I had a kidney transplant. I got my uncle's kidney. Um, Oh, wow. And then, you know, a few years later, without, I didn't know anything about the plot. It was just, hey, uh, you know, Apichapong won uh, the Palme d'Or at Cannes for his movie. And I remember being like, oh, well, then I'd see it regardless, but but that's a great honor. And then a lot of people don't know, a lot of people wouldn't know this, but literally the first couple of minutes of Uncle Boon Me, he's sitting on this like deck area and you see a bunch of boxes stacked and, mm-hmm. and on the boxes they say Baxter. And if anyone who's, who's dealed with kidney or dialysis stuff, Baxter makes dialysis bags. Um, oh. So I remember going like, wait, why are those? I'm, I was like, oh, Baxter. Um, because... The kid, the whole kidney story. It's not just me. I actually avoided dialysis. They they found my kidneys were failing. They caught it in time. My uncle stepped up, gave me his kidney. So I went straight from monitoring my kidneys till they failed, and then they gave me the transplant because that's how you have to do it. But around the same time I got kidney disease, my father got it. 
So my father also had a match in his younger brother, my other uncle, but there were some complications with my uncle and he couldn't give my dad a kidney. So my dad had to wait a little while till he got his transplant. But for years, going to my parents' house to visit them, it's like everywhere you look, there's just Baxter boxes all over the house. So immediately I saw that. And then through, and then, you know, early, uh, a few minutes later, or not, or not too long later, you literally see a scene of him doing dialysis, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh wow, I, you know, and that's what kind of got me. The only thing I vividly, I saw this at the New York Film Festival the first time I saw it. I didn't really fully know what the plot was about. I mm-hmm. just knew it was about a guy. He's dying from kidney disease. He's kind of visited from the ghosts of his past relatives. Um, and that's all I cared about. I had to watch it again to get other little nuances, but like, mm-hmm. I just have this thing because I love cinema. I had a kidney transplant. It's very much, it, it, it's like a big thing to get an organ transplant. It's not the biggest, there's, you know, liver, heart. There's, I'll even say, you know, there's, there's, there, there's, there, there's bigger, more life threatening organ transplants, but still, a kidney transplant is a big deal. And I'm always fascinated when movies explore that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, so that's kind of the thing. Like, I had a kidney transplant. It, it's a big part of, uh, there's a whole sector of my film writing where I talk about that a lot. And yeah, yeah I was just kind of sucked in. It was like this guy, I'm already a fan of yours. And now you make this movie and there's this kind of lingering subplot of kidney disease. And it's like, whoa, you know? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. Like both my grandmas have died in the past couple of years. And this movie could deal with like death of a family member. Yeah. It, it's yeah. just, it's kind of like a more, but it's not oppressively sad like mm-hmm. a more the Haneke movie I watched once and will never watch it again because that's car- sure. p- part of it is my job and part of it is I don't want to experience this for a third time for a fourth time I've seen the movie already mm-hmm. that yeah that's a good point you know it's another movie kind of for different reasons Haneke is one of my favorite filmmakers I'm not crazy about the last couple of movies he's made but at the end it, it doesn't matter he, he's one of the modern greats he, he just is but my thing about Amora is that I needed to know that as crazy as this sounds because Amora is a very sad movie but still, it has a lot of heart and I just wanted to be like is Haneke does Haneke have a heart does he have like um and that movie kind of said yes so it's like all right he made this movie I don't need to see it again I know that he's capable of just love because, you know, a lot of his movies are cold. And I'm not saying that he's not. He's a very humanistic director. He's just very, th- th- there's a coldness to it. Oh, and yeah. coldness, not in a bad way. Like I said, Hennig is one of my favorite filmmakers. But Omoro was like, okay, he's um, he's got a heart. Uh, I, yeah. I, I don't want to repeat myself too much. But yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so uh, this movie, like watching Uncle Booed Me for the uh, third, fourth time, whatever, I... Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a dream where I might start crying if I, if I say this, where I got to talk to my grandma again after mm, wow. watching this movie, and so the, I don't say it fucked me up, but it just like it psychically like infected me, I guess. Of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So like this whole week, I've just been in a weird mental space because because like I, I was it, it just it just got it, it got into me and. I'm glad it did, but at the same time, it's like I'm I'm kind of a little fucked up because that dream of my of my seeing my grandma again one more time was it has just kind of like really um, yeah that's messed with me a little bit. It, it, it no man um a few weeks so 
full disclosure, I mean, I'll just put it out there. I, we, I am, just so, a lot of people don't realize this, but kidney transplants don't last forever. So I actually am kind of on the downside of my uncle's transplanted kidney. Um, it ain't going to be next week. It's not going to be next month. But it is the, the, the time for a new transplant or dialysis is coming. And that's just been kind of, you know, it, 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 it lingers on, 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 on my mind a lot. I actually had a crazy dream weeks a couple weeks ago that I was passing away and I had all my loved ones around me, which is the, oh, most, wow. stereo, the most stereotypical kind of cliche dream, but it really happened. And I like kind of woke up and I couldn't go back to sleep. It was another one of those, you know. Um, I actually, you know, in preparation for this podcast, I actually didn't watch Uncle Boon Me. I, I don't really. I've, I've watched it so many times. I have it. I have it on an old iPod. I have it on my iPhone. Um, sorry, I know David. People like David Lynch don't like when you watch movies on your <laughs> phone, but I do. Um, and yeah, for kind of you know similar reasons, I've I've helped. Mm-hmm my dad with dialysis before and that you know the scene towards the end of okabunmi when they're in the cave and they're draining his dialysis tube and he's just kind of sitting there you know drain my my you know it it just kind of reminds me of my dad it you know what i mean it, it's very v- yeah. vivid i think you know it's one of those things where it doesn't hold any punches but it's not so oh the gritty look at changing a dialysis bag or, or it, it's it, it's very matter of factly just like you see, you know, you're, he's lying down. Um, they the, the water's drained from the tube. It's just things like that. I can't think of too many movies that show that. You know, usually when kidney again, this is something I, I've I've been exploring on and off on my site. Kidney disease on film, it, it's it's exaggerated. You know, like a lot of things. Like so, if you're familiar, in mm-hmm. Steel Magnolias, Julia Roberts's character, she has kidney disease, and the way she dies is just kind of like that. Really, wouldn't happen. Um, like you're monitored all the time. You don't just keel over and die. It's just not, I mean, you do if like you're not monitored, but other stuff would cut, like you would just, your skin would look yellow. You just look a certain way before you just die. You know what I mean? So I think Mm -hmm. Uncle Boonby is another movie that just kind of, it's very matter of fact and, and, and kind of the most realistic representation, you know? Yeah. So, uh, uh, Carrado, Mm -hmm. what do you like about, um, Uncle Boonby? What do I like about Uncle Boomy? Um, I don't know, everything. <laughs> I mean, right. what really stuck out to me the first time I saw it, what was really revelatory to me was to see a movie that was, you know, in the tradition of uh, slow cinema, art house cinema, movies that are like, you know, very meditative pace, transcendental style, whatever you want to call it, that was also so that had it was very deep it was very serious but also very funny and playful in a way that i found so invigorating especially when i was in my 20s um the fact that you know the the scene with at the dinner table where in first the the wife appears as a ghost and then the the son the forgotten son comes in and he looks like chewbacca or something you know right, and it's right, just yeah. like and he just sits down and everyone's like having dinner um it's it was just incredible i was like this is so funny but it's also kind of like very touching and very profound and then similar with this with the whole story with the princess and the catfish and all that stuff so 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 all of that stuff i really really loved because it you know when i was younger i struggled with movies that were slower and this one Hmm. just captured me this rewatching it this time just just the landscapes and the sounds and the and the fact that you kind of like fall into it and it's almost like you're in a you're about to fall asleep, but you are so engaged. It is really, it is really soothing to me. Um, while also being, you know, very, very touching and very, 
very profound. Taking it all in. You know, it's funny. I, I you know, I have to say, I, I, I when I can, I'm big mm-hmm. about following a filmmaker in order. Now, mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, you can't if you see a movie, a director's a movie that like his seventh movie, you can't help it. But then I immediately want to go if I liked it. I immediately want to go back. So that's kind of what I did. You know, like I said, I missed Blissfully Yours when it first came out. But if you watch stuff in order, Syndromes in a Century is kind of the first movie where he explicitly put in, like, some humorous kind of icebreaker scenes. Mm-hmm. And it's not that, like, Tropical Malady, Blissfully, or stuff before didn't have moments that were just like, what the hell is this? But mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily meant to be comedy, and I think that trans from Syndromes in a Century, it transferred over into uh, Uncle Boo Me, because there's a couple of funny moments. Like, like, the scene you talk about, seeing that in the theater mm-hmm. was interesting because... The way, you know, at first, the audience was all in unison. The way the son, right. you know, he, he's turned into a monkey person. The red eyes open, and the, and he walks up the stairs slowly. And the whole theater kind of goes, whoa, like, in a kind of, <laughs> like, scared way. But then their reaction to him at the dinner table, they're all like, what the hell? Which is the most realistic, it, it's the most realistic reaction you could do if, like, if the ghost of someone that comes back is, like, a, a giant monkey you'd be like right. the like the, the way that they kind of <laughs> the way that they flinch as he's walking towards the table the audience the, the audience immediately started to laugh right um, yeah and, of course and, and i think that was intentional and later on in the movie too where he's you know he's walking his his land and he's talking to some of the field workers and they're and they're trying to speak french to each other oh, and yeah. one of the guys just tells him this he's like okay okay enough enough please stop 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 mm-hmm. yeah um, and, and just in french, little things like that yeah in french i think he said i wrote i know a little bit of french i think it was uh some, to the effect of go back to work is what, the, what they're saying in french uh, okay okay, uh, okay yeah yeah mm-hmm. right it's not directly that, but that, that's effectively what it is. Sure, sure. So I think that's another thing too. For as sometimes sad and contemplative and very heavy that this movie is, he throws in a lot of you know. And then of course you know, a you know like the catfish scene. You know that's one of those things which just like take it at face value. However you react to it, I think that's what it's there for. You, you know what I'm saying? Like I remember. Mm-hmm. Some folks were mesmerized by it. Some folks were like, what the hell? Other folks were just laughing out loud. And I kind of love scenes like that. And I think that's what I like about his movies is that sometimes one scene can just have a completely different reaction from different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I love, and it's really organic. It's not like he's forcing his quirky, this kind of quirkiness or this like, oh, super weirdness or anything. It, it's, it, it feels very na- na- natural. That's kind of the best, I, the best I can describe. It's just very natural, organic. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that a lot. I think that that's another thing that's great about him is that it doesn't feel forced when these like, you know, fantastical elements come in. It doesn't feel like he's yeah, trying to right. call attention to them. It's just really in tune with, you know, the landscape and and the you know the thai culture i mean i'm not an expert on thai culture but it feels Mm. to me that way um i saw tropical malady for the first time this year um because they played it on the big screen here in new york which was great i i was so lucky i was so happy that i got to see it on the big screen because when towards the end of that movie when the tiger appears on screen and you just see this huge tiger face looking at you i was it was like one of the most powerful things I've ever seen in a movie yeah. theater. And it was just overwhelming. So, yeah. And that his movies have that quality to me. They just feel like they're connected to something that is... Obviously, it's cinema, but it feels like something more also sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, like I was watching I, last night. I watched Blitz, Blissfully Yours, and uh, I, I loved it. But uh, oh, great I, film! I, I love that movie. Yes, I watched a um, uh, a Q and A thing he did recently, because that was showed that was showing in New York recently, mm-hmm. and uh, in the Q and A he tells a story of how he met uh, Jinjira Pampas, mm-hmm. and. Um, he she worked in casting, uh, like casting extras, and so she uh, showed him a a, um, a binder full of people's headshots, but she put her own headshot mixed in several times. <laughs> oh, I heard That's the great. story. I heard the story. She d- yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, and then like and she kept hanging around production the whole time, and then eventually, you know, he was like, "Okay, you can be in the movie." <laughs> Right, yeah. That's a great and and she's great. She's a staple of his movies at this point. I feel like I miss her when she's not in one of them. Yeah, um oh why is the name escaping me? What um well she's in Cemetery Splendor, but what's um The newest one? No, the one prior. Two thousand fifteen, sixteen, I saw it at the New York Film Festival also. It's got that great hypnotic fan shot. With the neon lights. Oh, syndromes are, are, in a century, yeah. Syndromes in a century. Gosh, I, I love that. I, I, sorry, I couldn't think think of the name, but she's mm-hmm. great in that also. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, uh, first, I, oh, I guess like you can't really. I don't think you can spoil this movie. So I, I just want like your gut reactions. What? How do you interpret the end or feel about the end? Uh, when like the the spirits separate and they go eat at the diner. Um, I guess their spirits separate. I'm not. I'm not sure. So. Yeah, I was gonna say you're already given a bit of an interpretation to it. I <laughs> honestly, I have no idea what's going on there. A little uh, I'm bit. I'm glad you said that. I was gonna say that myself because it's kind of like, eh, you know. Yeah, you're talking about from when they're in the hospital and then they break off mm-hmm. and then go into the diner, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't really know what to make of that, but that that's another semi staple of his, whether it be spirit separating or a parallel universe or a slightly you know um what is it um uh syndromes in a century deals with that it's a it's literally it's like the first half of the movie and then the second half of the movie is just retold just slightly different you see you see that happen in tropical malady where the ghosts of is it a bull or a cow uh comes out so Uh, He, he does that quite a bit um and I, 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 you're, I, I don't really know what to make of, make of it, but it is a thing he likes to do. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've always wondered about that because, like, that's the thing that that one of the things that has always stuck with me, because like, like I said earlier, like I, I, I'm not like emotional until the end, when suddenly, like, for some reason, it's kind of like a motivar has the same thing where. It's not until like the last five minutes suddenly, it all hits me and I, hmm. and, like I, I feel everything. I you know I'm actually with you on that. It definitely comes in this wave towards the end, but, and I'm not gonna speak for you. I don't know if if if, but hmm. it kind of in a good way. It's like all the stuff happens. You you this guy's waiting to die. He finally dies. He goes through this little trek. All the stuff happens, and then something. There's almost this by the time they get to the hospital. There's a bit of relief, almost. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. And then they're mm-hmm. in the temple, all that kind. Of, it, it it does feel like, ah, oh, okay, it, we're at the home stretch. We made it. it, it it's over. It kind of reminds me of. I mean, this is a slightly 
more extreme version, but you know, when you sit through a movie like Inland Empire mm. and then the closing credits, again, it's very it's literally the opposite. It's very intense. You've got a bunch of stuff happening at once, but it does kind of feel like, all right, you sat through the longest episode of SNL and now everyone's <laughs> coming out at the end. The the musical guests, the the host, the the band, the the cast members like, Thanks guys, thank you and then the credits roll while people are just kinda on stage shaking hands and being like that that that's kinda what it reminds me of in a yeah. kind of weird way. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I mean. Uh But it, but it's nice to hear someone else with though, because I definitely the the whole kinda like the the swelling up and fight you know me being the 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 typical guy that i am just kind of fighting that stuff off it didn't hit me until those last few minutes where i was just like oh my god what's going on um hmm. but the whole time you know watching this guy in a cave you know kind of slowly pass away seeing the his dialysis tube with the little bandage just like my dad had you know in his stomach and you know for those of you curious you can do there's dialysis on your arm you can also do it through your neck and then th- you know th- through your stomach, but mo- but 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 most pe- most pe- people do 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 the stomach, and I've seen my dad in that position so many times, but again it wasn't until like and I remember th- like I feel like this movie's almost over and I was right and that's all it all kind of hit me at once like whoa wow I had to kind of like just kind of put my hands over my face and do like a quick rub you know just like oh man what did I just sit through yeah hmm. so uh, uh, well uh, Corrado how would you ex- like uh, what I, this is a dumb question, but what is like the plot of this? Like, what was this movie even about? <laughs> if you can summarize. Well, I guess as, as much as there is a plot, it, I would say there is this man uh, Boon Me who, like we were talking about, has kidney uh, failure. He is uh, on his way to die, and basically, it seems like there's not much that they can do to fix whatever is ailing him. He talks about the fact that he will die soon, and so. His, I think, Jinjuria Pongpas plays his sister-in-law or something yes. like that. She and a nephew come over to visit him and kind of like take care of him. And, and you know, in his dying days, as he's he's kind of away of the city in the country in the countryside. I think it's in northern Thailand near the Laos border, if I'm correct, because they talk about immigrants. And um, they go, they visit him. They the other relatives from the past come to visit also in spirit form and basically there's just you know a series of dreams and and conversations in the last few days of his life um leading up to eventually the after his funeral and the aftermath of it um so it really is just the last few days of his life and 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 a day or two after that we see is my guess um and it is that moment i guess which you know death would be where the spiritual world and the real world kind of merge and um and it's the tr- that transition is how i would describe the movie okay yeah yeah, like, yeah. yeah uh, and like um uh uh Cinepunks, they're like a website and podcast network thing uh, based in philly and the one of the creators of it, liam o'donnell mm-hmm. on the Cinepunks episode talking about um uh, Joe's films. It was last spring episode came out. I forgot what number. But uh, in episode Liam at one point says the, uh, the, nat- the supernatural is natural in his, in these movies. Mm. And it's not treated as like uh, as like as like the monkey is a monster. It's treated as like 
Oh, mon- monkey ghost. Yeah, everyone knows those exist. Yeah, it's and so it's- funny. He comes and, and his mom, the first thing he says is, why did you grow your hair so long? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's another example of that humor that, that, that you know, that Teddy throws in. You know? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes Splendor has that great moment where um, Jen, uh, Jinjira, her character, sees, like, the boner on the soldier. Yeah, and she kind of flicks at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. She says something like, I- I've touched too many of those in my life. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, going you know going back to the plot though, I like I think it's important. I, I think this is definitely a movie to watch multiple times because at first there's kind of, there's a you know it's yeah it's slow, but then a lot of random elements happen that do perfectly time that kind of keep your interest. Like let's just mm-hmm. say oh I'm losing interest. Oh what the hell? Like I think that happens a lot, and then you kind of have to go back. There is dialogue of the film, you know, like where Boon Me is kind of talking about his past and questioning why is this happening and all this. Mm-hmm. I think that that like I mean maybe not everyone but that was all that was lost on me the first time because I was so caught up in all the other yeah. stuff you know that is yeah there is a whole element of this movie regarding the past of Thailand and the military dictatorship mm-hmm. where Boon sure. Mi talks about having been in the military and having killed a lot of communists and then he has a dream about a future dictatorship where he is be the one being persecuted for being a person of the past in according to his dream which yeah. i always found very interesting and i mean i know that apichapong has had trouble with the thai government ever since the military coup and he you know his last movie was made outside of thailand i think because of that partly so um yeah i wish i knew more about the specifics of that i i don't but that's an element of the movie that i always think about um when i watch it yeah, the, the the whole like Thai military past comes up a lot because Cemetery of Splendor is not so subtly mm-hmm. about that. Like once yeah. right, start to dig into that movie. Yeah, that's even uh, more central in that movie for sure. Yeah. All right. So, uh, what like watching this this time, I don't know why it took so long to for it to kick in, but um. It feel it feels like certain segments in Dreams, the Kurosawa film. Hmm, I've never seen that one actually. Uh, you, you said what? I'm sorry. Uh, Dreams, the Kurosawa film. Yeah, I mean, in 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 a, in a toned down way, but yeah, that definitely. Yeah. I think you know, it's like this. I guess well, I I would throw Blissfully Yours in there also, but this is another movie where the environment is also kind of a character. In a weird, like, this is almost like a Hail Mary pass, but it's kind of like in Solaris, where the planet is like a character in itself. Just like in Mm. some of his films, the jungle kind of comes off like, you know, like its own character. It makes people do weird things, and you know what I'm saying? And and the crickets, the snapping of the twigs, all all that stuff, it kind of takes on a life of its own. You know what I'm saying? It it reminds me of, like, it's why, similar when I tell people... If you're a David Lynch fan, if, mm-hmm. if you live in a place where there is a good repertory theater where they're doing something like like and they're showing his old movies, see his movies in the theater because it, it's to- it, it. If you've watched even the best Blu-ray and you have the best television, it's different in a theater. Like Eraserhead, yeah. Eraserhead and Lost Highway specifically are two movies where like the sound design is just absolutely insane. You, you know what I mean? So and and mm-hmm. I feel that way with with, with the Peter Punk films. You know, the older I get when I see a movie that just really does it for me, I kind of don't want to watch it again because I just want that, like, 
feeling of, oh, I just saw the greatest movie ever. I don't ever want to see it again. I want to have my <laughs> mind changed. Nothing. And, you know, Uncle Boon Me was that for a while. But then I couldn't. I was like, I need to see it again. And then the next year, it played at, um, did it play at Film Forum? And then, I, you know, I saw, which isn't the best theater for a movie like that. No, no offense. But, um, yeah, I, the, 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 there's a handful of movies that I just never want to watch again. I mean, I mean that in the best way. I mean that as a <laughs> So, yeah. yeah but anyway. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just like, I don't know, this, I, like, p- p- the, the phrase, the magic of cinema, is like a phrase that for a long time I thought was just like, uh, like mostly like pretentious bullshit like it doesn't matter I don't know what that means and it wasn't until I watched a movie it wasn't until I saw movies like Uncle Boon Me that I, that I understood like okay I I I have a frame of reference of what of what that means like this is a thing that can only exist in the form of a movie yeah hmm. I felt that I felt the same exact way and it's funny I, I feel like these two, it's just like how Crash and Lost Highway are kind of eternally linked. I feel like um, Post Tenebris Lux is another film where I felt the sa- almost the same exact way. And it's funny because, like, Uncle Boon Me and Post Tenebris Lux are weirdly linked. And I kind of get why they're they're both surreal. I think Post Tenebris Lux is way more surreal and different, but you have these kind of, like, weird ghostly creatures. You know, you got the Red Devil character in Post Tenebris Lux. You got the monkey, well, monkey people in Uncle Boon Me. Mm-hmm. It's big into nature, like the, again, it, it's another movie where the environment is just like another character. Um, yeah, like so. Yeah, it wasn't until my late twenties, very very early thirties, that the magic of cinema exactly, it, you know, it hit me too. I, I I understood it. I mean, look, folks will see Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I completely un- un- understand it. And to be honest, as a kid, I was I was under the trance of the magic of cinema without realizing it because something like that is those movies are magical too but on, on a on a deeper level yeah like a film like uncle boon me and post never slucks are like oh okay this is like pure c- c- cinema it's not even necessarily just the magic of cinema but just like pure c- cinema like just the these amazing moving images yeah there's a plot i'll get to that the next time i watch it which is another hmm. great thing because it's like, oh, now I have to go back and revisit this almost immediately. You know what I'm saying? So, all of, all of that stuff is 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 what comes up when I think about this movie. Yeah. There's a great um, talk. I, I uh, it's who moderate? Oh, it's Bellatar. It's Bellatar, Pichapong, and and Carlos Regatas. Oh all wow! Kind of like sh- shooting the shit. I forgot where. I, was it a Lincoln Center? I don't know if it was. I, I have to look for the link, but um. Yeah, it's just kind of like the kind of elder statesman of that form of cinema, kind of moderating a chat between these two y- younger guys. It, it, it's really cool. Uh, like, I was pe- trying to pay attention. Like, okay, well, the, uh, uh, of the style of how I finger shot, the style of ah, gotcha. Like, okay. di- how people deliver dialogue of trying to like decipher the movie, which is. I've seen it like three or four times already, but like it's still like you know it's just one of the things like I just want to understand how this works. Like I want to know like what about this affects me so deeply. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's just like uh, it's just mostly a lot of wide shots and people just walking towards the edge of the wide shot, which is a very simple way of keeping your attention of like 
where are they going? What are they going to do? In in a Peter Pong movie, they walk to the edge of the screen and sit down, or like just do something very uh, that 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 like ultimately like doesn't really matter much. It's just like it's just life. <laughs> there's like no like, there's a deeper meaning, but there's like no real deep meaning besides it. It's just life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this weird kind of chasing the dragon kind of thing, which is another thing. It's it's like. There's this thing. It's like, oh, it's not going to be as good as the first time I saw this, but I am going to pick up different stuff each time, yeah. which is also kind of beautiful and amazing in itself. And that, that, that again, the magic of cinema. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's another thing. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Carrado, um, mm-hmm. uh, what are moments or scenes in Uncle Boone that like really stick with you? Um, there's a lot. I mean, the. The the image that I think is the most famous of the movie is that which was used for the poster of the of the you know the spirit the I guess you want to call it a monkey spirit or or beast man with the red eyes in the middle of the jungle that I think is such a striking iconic image at this point um, for for a good reason but you know in terms of scenes the scene at the dinner table I was talking about before the story with the princess and the catfish as well. The um, the when Boonmi uh, tells his dream and we see these photographs, um, you know, the dream that I was mentioned ab- ab- about the future uh, kind of military rule and him being transported into the future, being persecuted for being a person of the past. And and he talks about how the way they do it is that they project your life into a screen up to that point And then they kind of like then you disappear and uh, and while he's talking, we see these still images of this group of soldiers kind of like going around. They have a man in a gorilla suit that they're dragging yeah. with a chain. But then in another picture, the, the gorilla is just one of them and they're just hanging out together. It's just this very, very evocative pictures that that uh, that that scene in those pictures makes me wish that I knew more about Thai history. It makes me want to read about it because I wonder if there is something there in those images that I'm that either that I'm missing or even if I'm, if not, they're just such weird choices to, to show during that, that monologue that really, that sequence I always think about and I want to go back to and figure out what's going on there more and more. Yeah, thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah, there's a real Ozu quality to a Pichurong movies. Her mm-hmm. Ozu qu- movies are just, well, the, <clears throat> the late era ones, not the early silent mm-hmm. comedies. But like the the famous ones, but the famous ones most people know are just like it's the pace of life and mildly yeah. criticizing, like this like like mildly criticizing modern Japan, where this fit yeah. like a Peter Pong is a little more overtly critical uh, of the of Thai government in the current in like in their past, mm-hmm. but um yeah, but definitely has like that Ozu quality that I like, which is like. The slow down. Yeah, it doesn't have to be super dense. It's just watch people, you know, uh, beat people. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's funny you mentioned that because um, Ozu for me is is one of those directors that I have that experience mm-hmm. you were talking about of at the end, it just hits me. You know, I'm watching the movie, watching the movie, having a great time. And the last 10 minutes or so, I'm just like bawling. And it's like mm-hmm. all the feelings that come, come to the surface. And I, I'm always like... How does he do it? Because I'm watching the movie and I'm like, oh, maybe this one is not going to hit me. I don't know if it's going to. And then at the end, it always does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Although I, I guess I can't, you know, Uncle Boo and Me is the only one that I've that really hit me this of of his films. You know, what I'm saying others. I guess that's not true. I think you know, Cemetery of Splendor, just her staring off at the end was very much like, whoa, what the hell? And mm. it just kind of ends. So, oh, so never mind. That, that I think that was another ending where it was just like, whoa. Yeah, like for me, it's like in with Boon Me and Cemetery. It's just when the song starts at the end, and it's just like that's like the magical moment of like now I'm gonna cry. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> yeah. Uh, what was what was it? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I also just like movies about like. Uh, uh, I, outside of, like the magical stuff, outside of like the, uh, like the mystical stuff, it's just ultimately it's about like, I'm, I'm not. It's gonna sound like talking about Fast and Furious, but it's about family, and it's about like <laughs> you know family coming together, and it's like well, y- y- you know, for the last few days, maybe a few days, I'm not really sure, but like last like you know, sh- uh, last, you know, uh, part of someone's life. Yeah. And it makes and it makes you wonder, like, is everyone else dead? Because I don't think they either they really mention anything. It's just presumed like maybe they're only ones around. But it's one thing like I always think about with this movie is like, did do people did his family not like Boonry? But like that's kind of the thing, the, the magic of the movie. It's like it's, it it gives you just enough information and leaves Damn, it. I at never, the, at wow, that I never thought about that. Wow. Yeah, like that's a whole. I've never, I've never thought about it that, that that way all this time, huh? Hmm. I mean, they're has, they're actually more family, but I don't think they ever say anything about all their family. Right. No. We see one more family member, I think, after the funeral, right? When they're in the yeah, yeah, in, we do. Yeah, mm-hmm. that the younger woman who's hanging out with Jinjira and counting the money. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that's the only. That's the only one, though. I think. Yeah, but it's true. But but that but that's another thing too. Like death, it's one of those things where like at least for my family, in a weird you know it brings folks together and you see cousins and uncles and aunts and folks you haven't seen in a long time and it's almost bittersweet. And then there's always that conversations like oh I want to see you outside of a funeral and then mm-hmm. you don't see that person until another funeral. Right. Um, yeah. Or then or then there's the opposite similar which you were talking about too. Like I remember. I mean, now, I, you know, I'm 42, like, whatever. But when my father passed away uh, six years ago, you know, I remember just feeling a certain way that, like, with the exception of just one of my mom's siblings, nobody from her side came to my dad's funeral. And I remember mm-hmm. being like, what the hell is that? Like, that's just really weird. And there was never any weird stuff. I mean, we used to visit that side of my mom's family all the time. Like, there was no bad blood. It just was one of those things. And then that made me even more upset because it was just like ah, I just couldn't make it, like you know what I mean. So hmm. it brings yeah. up all all that kind of stuff too. So yeah, like, yeah. I'm like I'm like grandma's funeral last year. Uh, yeah, it was, it's been like a, almost a year and a half since her funeral. Like I saw cousins I hadn't seen in like fifteen twenty years, and you know, and they're like there's the conversation of a couple of them were like, hey, we're gonna hang out since you're when you're here, but you know, it, of course it never happens because. Uh, where we were, it's like everyone grew, lived, grew up in this one small town, West Virginia, and they lived to see other people or just like cop with other stuff. And it's like, yeah, 
yeah and I, and I was upset or anything I was like yeah I figured like it <laughs> I'm an adult I know how these things work yeah exactly exactly <laughs> you get cynical towards it. it's like oh we'll see each other like oh, okay like you just kind of say it that way in your head like all yeah. right I made a point not to say that because I knew, like, I'm not going to... Right, I'm not, or I'm not, that, or that, or that. I'm not, I'm not going to follow through on this. I know this about myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but... That's uh, funny. Wow, that's funny. Yeah, uh... Oh, uh, uh, is there anything else? No, not, not really. Like, this... Uh, I... I just want to see the rest of a Peter Pong's movies, and, uh... I might, well, likely I might use someone else's Criterion account to watch the movies. So I'm not going to pay another <laughs> monthly thing. Sure, Wrestling sure. is a bit more important to me right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's in a, a side note, not to do the whole <laughs> wrestling thing again, but Impact Impact is, is, is good. A lot of people kind of laugh at it, but Impact is doing good stuff right now and has been consistently for the last few years. Well, they have one, anyone of fav- listening who, one of my favorite yeah. uh, people right now. Um, Kylan King. Oh, she's he's awesome. Great. Yeah, yeah uh, I, sorry, she. Sorry. Yeah, yeah actually, she's great. Yeah. I met her several times. Uh, oh, she's awesome! Really nice. And uh, Sue, is it Sue Young, the, like the the zombie bride, the ghost bride character. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a cool awesome. character. Awesome. It's yeah, it's basically like the grudge ghost sort of, but like the bride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, she's really cool. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, so uh, like this is a movie that like you can talk about, but like it, you I don't want to be, sound pretentious, but you have to experience this movie. Agreed. But you kind, of, but you have to like, you have, but you actually have to like experience this movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I think that's true for all of his movies, at least the ones that I've seen. I I haven't seen a couple of the early ones, um, but but yeah, it it really is about experience because, um. Yeah, I mean, there's not that much plot to them. It's all about the sounds and the visuals and the the little moments and and the feeling of it. So yeah. I think you're on you're spot on there. Yeah, just uh, I don't know if you if you listen to this, which I think I think you can go into a spoiler free. Like I don't think anything's that big of a surprise, really. And nothing can really I don't think anything can really prepare you for like what how it's presented and what it is. Sure. But uh, yeah, so if, so if you're listening to this and you haven't watched it, like if you've had a death in the family recently, it might affect you more. If you've dealt with like you know, Marcus, like kidney disease, it it'll, like definitely hit home. But uh, oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna mute now, so you guys can get into your um recommendations. Cool. All right. Um, I'll go first. Yeah. Go ahead. My recommendation for 2010. Th- this is. You know, this movie came out in 2010. You asked us to get a recommendation from that year. I went to my list of favorite movies from that year. Onkabumi is my favorite. It's probably the best movie that I've seen from that year. But same, my second same. favorite is a very different movie that I love. It's called Unstoppable, starring Denzel Washington and Chris Pine and directed by Tony Scott. It's his last movie before he sadly passed away. And it's a movie in which, you know, Denzel and Chris Pine have to stop a runaway train. Um, because uh, Ethan Suppley is an idiot. Yeah, exactly. Because Ethan Suppley is an idiot. It's all, this whole catastrophe is caused by a dummy. 
Yeah, which is great because it's yeah, just exactly. one of those movies where the the villain is just a train that can't stop, and yeah. you just gotta figure it out. Rosario Dawson is in it too. She's in the in the you know control booth talking yeah. to them on the phone. I think that movie is great. It's like an incredible thriller, you know, in the style of something like Speed or that kind of movie. Exactly, and it, it just. Is. He just hits it out of the, out of the park. I just love that movie. Agreed. You know, I, it, it, his passing was very. It, it's really sad, but it's like, you know, for him to end on that, it's kind of like, you know, you know. Yeah. Hats hats off. Yeah, that was a very fun movie. And I'm kicking myself because I didn't see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. It's one of those movies I didn't pay attention to. And then a buddy of mine was like, "Unstoppable is really fun." And then you know, I, I did. I, I bought the DVD and watched it. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time, but. Yeah. As soon as it was over, I was like, damn, I wish I saw this in the theater, you know? Yeah, for yeah. sure. I had the same experience, actually, but yeah, I, I think yeah. it's a great, great movie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Marcus, you got 2010. Yeah, I'm going with a movie that actually, its ending, in a way, has. You, you could make some strong connections to Uncle Boon Me, you know, if you wanted to, but Toy Story 3. Oh yeah! Um, it's got this famous scene where it's just kind of like, wait, are they gonna die mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. when they're all being put? You know, in, <laughs> and then you know, of course, they're saved. But it was like, I almost love the fact that they kind of almost went there. Um, and then I remember, you know, w- when that movie came out, there was kind of a um, just a minor dust up. Where it was just like, geez, this movie's for kids. Like, why would you have that ending? And it's like, yeah, whatever. But then I also thought like. Well, considering what, you know, this is, it's 15 years after the first Toy Story. I don't know. I feel like this movie is for me. Like I was 13, 14 when the first one came out and now I'm like 28, 29. I feel like Toy Story 3 was for the kids and people in their early teens who who are now adults. And it's kind of like, you know, like, so, so we can handle it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I thought the ending, but not even just the ending, man, like midway, when they when they meet the 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 bad toys and, and Lotso kind of tells his backstory, um, I have kind of a it's like a fun, I'm not gonna tell it but it's just like a funny slash kind of messed up story about leaving a toy behind or having mm-hmm. a toy left behind yeah um, that I really liked and it's kind of like oh I, I I I felt all of that so yeah yeah it's a great movie back when Pixar was really on top you know right right yeah yeah oh yeah oh yeah. Yeah. Um. So for me, I have. Oh, uh, I gotta reduce it down to two. Okay. The first one is I think the only one of these I saw. Yeah, the only one of these I saw in a theater was Jackass 3D. Mm, um. Good one. The, Great movie. That's, that's a good one. It's my favorite of the Jackass movies at the time. It was a strange experience for reasons I will not get into. But I was talking. Uh, in a talking phase with a girl that oh, it, things ended very badly mm. <laughs> right. but uh yes but the, but it's the first Jack I, I saw in a theater and it's my, by far my favorite and uh, it's just so it has like a very weird special meaning to me of both negative feelings and good feelings mm-hmm. sure sure and my other one is well I have to go with this because Muhammad Salah Haroon is my favorite living director, and mm-hmm. he won the second place prize at, at Cannes this year. Mm. Uh, he lost to Uncle Boon Me, but his film *The Screaming Man* got the um, uh, the second place prize. And *Screaming Man* is was that 2010? Yes, it was. 
Wow. Oh, I, I thought that was 2011. Oh my gosh. Wow. Uh, my, my ears are my ears are off. <laughs> I saw was... that. I took my par- I took my parents to oh. film for him to see that because I knew that I knew that they would both. My, but both my parents are into African film, mm-hmm. but like the the kind of mainstream stuff. And I was mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of art house or independent, whatever term you want to use, mm-hmm. uh, from different African countries that like you don't even know about. I, and and that was one that that I took them both to see, and they they enjoyed it very much. Okay. Yeah, I I love that movie dearly. I watched it yeah. um, when I visited Joel um, in June for our birthdays. Our birthdays awesome. are uh, are next to each other in in late June, and so we watched it on. I think it was uh, the day before his birthday. We up uh, for Joel's birthday, we watched it, and Joel's reaction was like, "That was almost a perfect movie." And it's like, "Yeah, it's it's fucking incredible." Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, and also it, it, it gained second place at Cannes is like the grand tradition of the African film that is incredible that doesn't quite win the the big prize because mm, I think mm-hmm. it, they never right. they never do. <laughs> Someday. Yeah, uh, one African film I think did win the whole thing in the seventies, but that movie is hard to get hold of now. What movie is that? I can't remember. It's, I think seventy five or seventy six. Mm. I just can't remember. Yeah, I can look it up later. But, uh... And I talked about Screen Man uh, with Martin Kessler on his old show, um, Flexwise Canada, like, at this point, four years ago, I think. It's been... Wow. It's been a while. And, uh... uh watch our rude movies. He makes a lot of... He's made a lot of great movies. Yeah. All right. And uh, one one of these days, Criterion will, re- will realize they can just like put all stuff in a box set. Because there's, yeah, I, that's my dream, but I don't think it'll ever happen. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so um, for me, oh, well, first off, uh, Marcus and Conrado, thank you for uh, making time for this. Thank you. And uh, I write for Grumpire. You can find my writing there. <coughs> I wrote about. Um, Godfrey Cambridge for an article a few months ago. I wrote an article about Stormy Weather, the 40s musical, about how it's secretly a punk movie. Um, I'm writing a piece on the baby and Girly and how they're kind of their offspring of Psycho, uh, not so subtly. And uh, I have some other stuff I've written for Grumpire that you can kind of go through. Cool. So, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Um, I definitely want to plug uh i it's actually non-pinland empire stuff just recently i wrote uh a nice little article on hollywood shuffle for alta journal just uh essentially reminding people that like it's groundbreaking it's important all Mm -hmm. that stuff but it's also very funny just remember to laugh like it is a comedy yeah it's Um, a hilarious movie i love it and then and then over on uh my you know we're, we're still going we just don't have a regular output but we had to uh stop everything we were doing for this episode we um interviewed john lurie on zebras in america on our most recent uh episode it was really fun he's a really fun awesome guy and it's like we still can't believe it i get john you know a lot of you listening you don't know either scott my co-host or myself Mm -hmm. personally but getting john lurie to do our podcast was just like having you know like michael jordan or jay-z you know it was just like a big deal for us i i interviewed john larry a very long time ago and he even jokes on the show that you know he's like i've been promising marcus i'd do this for a very long time and uh, a follow-up uh 
in, in interview, and he finally did it, and it was really great. So, yeah. Nice. Great. Corrado, uh, uh, what, what you got? Um, well, I co-host a podcast called The Criterion Project, where we talk about movies that are in the Criterion channel or the Criterion collection, and that comes out usually every couple of weeks, but we are on a hiatus right now. However... We will probably be back soon. And also there are four seasons of the show that are available to stream right now wherever you get podcasts. So if you're interested in that, um, all kinds of different movies from the Criterion channel we talk about. Awesome. Okay, perfect. And uh, yeah, you got Law Desire, Volvere, and and Lady Eve coming up. So you can tell me later which one you want to cover first. Sounds good. Yeah, those are all uh, movies I'm looking forward to talking about. Okay, and uh, yeah, so I'll talk to you guys later. Uh, yeah, uh, so uh, I don't know, like review. I don't comment. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. And um, what's the other thing? Uh, oh yeah, I, I was I forgot to open the open episode with this, but trans rights or human rights? If you don't agree with that message why you listen to a podcast about a motivar to begin with but that's anyway. or a peach punk yeah peach punk yeah. <laughs> who, uh, yeah well said it, it, who is a queer man uh yeah and um yeah that it, the, that's all and i will s- stop recording Our theme music is by James Fell. Our logo is by Andrew Bargeron. You can find him as Jemetsko on Threadless, TeePublic, Redbubble, Shirt Woot Catalog, and T Theory. That is spelled G I M E T Z C O. You can find our show in previous seasons on Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, and other places where you can find podcasts.